0: Oh, well, Welcome, church families, to another online service. So thankful for you making this a priority. And hopefully for those of you that are regulars here online, you get a chance to really slow down and exhale and take some time to worship the Lord. So again, welcome. Let's choose to dive in now to a time of worship.
1: Oh God, you have done great things. Please empty your free. No, no.
2: Hello, my internet people. It is so good to be with you. Worship team, thank you so, so much. Hi, everybody. I'm Josh. I have a couple of announcements for you guys. First of all, if there's anything that we could be praying for you for this week, we'd love to pray for you. We know that there's just stuff going on in your lives, and we would just love to partner with you in prayer. Please text any prayer request to 97000, and we will pray for you this week. There is so much going on here at ABF. If you are interested in knowing about those things, about ministries and events going on, please check out the website. The calendar is always updated. You can get any information you need there on the website. Also on the website, if you've been blessed by this ministry, this online ministry, these messages every week, and you'd like to give financially— Man, that is such a huge part of keeping this thing going. And so if you're interested in giving, you can do that online on the website under the Give tab. Uh, Man, that would be a huge blessing for us. Thank you so much for continuing to partner us in giving. Uh, Now we're going to get to our time in the Word, and I would just love to pray for that time together. Let's pray. Dear Father, um, Lord, just thank you that we get to continue to do this. Um, Thank you that these videos get to continue to go out and that people can access them so easily that your word is at our fingertips. Um, Lord, I pray that you would just use the teaching of your word today uh, in just a sweet way. Would you meet us exactly where we're at and say exactly those things to our heart that we need to hear, Lord? We pray that you just convict us and stir in our hearts now. We love you, and we pray all this in the name of your son, Jesus.
0: Amen. All right. Well, thank you, worship team, and thank you, Josh. I want to welcome you back in our study, uh, working through the book of Hebrews. And this is the second week in Hebrews chapter 11, as we explore just different lessons on faith. And last week you discovered, just as an intro, that I uh, grew up with a little bit of a a speech impediment. So we tried to uh, reinforce that it takes repetition for truth to be deeply wounded in our life. Just kidding. The idea here is that you need to be reminded again and again of faith, that this is the foundation, that everything in the Christian life, it's not just a part of the Christian life, everything in the Christian life stems out of faith. Our author's trying to get that truth across to his audience, and so he went through a number of Old Testament examples last week and this week He's picking back up with really uh, the big guns. He's going straight to probably the most known example that he could with a man by the name of Abraham. Obviously, we'd be if you're around church world, you're familiar with the story of Abraham. But for the Jews, this would have been somebody that they held in really high regard. And in fact, any attempts for them to accept the idea Of salvation stemming solely from faith alone, they'd want to see how that was possible with Abraham. So that's why they take a a good section of this chapter on faith, just discussing Abraham, realizing that that was going to be a key conversation point with his audience for them to grasp this idea. And so, going through, he was wanting to lay a foundation that really to kind of break through some of their false thinking, they would have assumed that God had sought to, across the, the planet and looking for a righteous man and landed on Abraham as just an appropriate, righteous, good man that he should make into the father of all uh, God's chosen people, but that's really not the case. It isn't necessarily because of his goodness. His, in fact, his righteousness was found simply because of his faith. I like the explanation I read this week. He was not righteous, but found righteous because of his faith. He pleased God not because of his work, but instead because of his response to God's pursuit in his life. Think about it. The story of Abraham, when God spoke to him, he listened. When God promised, he trusted. When God commanded, he obeyed. So much that we can learn from Abraham in the study on faith. Let me just pray before we begin this section. Lord Jesus, we thank you for this chance to gather around your word and believe it speaks to us uh, directly and uh, very specifically each time we dive into it. And so I ask that we'd be free of distraction right now and we'd really be able to enter in and, and run our own lives through this filter of, hey, how does this, how does this relate to me? How does this speak uh, to my life? And so we're excited to see how your spirit's going to move even in this time. We invite that in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. All right, so starting in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 8, where we picked up, uh, or we stopped last week in verse 7, says, verse 8, By faith Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith he went to live in the land of promise, as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob." "...heirs with him of the same promise, for he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God." All right. If you're unfamiliar with the story of Abraham, basically God chose this man, this uh, basically random pagan man to bestow future blessing on, to to build a a people group out of. And so he started with the initial introduction and coming to Abraham very directly and calling him to move out of the land in which he lived. If you're familiar with the land in which he lived, it's called Ur of the Chaldeas, which is present-day Iraq. It was known for being a a very pagan city, a very uh, adulterous group of of people. And uh, uh, so uh, not, not necessarily the cream of the crop per se, but just choosing a man to bestow blessing on. It's a great reminder about us and our faith that it's nothing that we've done that's earned his favor. It's just his loving kindness and choosing to reach out his love to us. So uh, he's wanting to instill in his audience understanding that it wasn't because of something that he had done, but because of God being the good and faithful God that he is. But Abraham here is commended for sure for his faith, for his response to God's pursuit. It's because of his obedience that's connected to his faith. It's interesting, any conversation about faith, there's always attached to that conversation the whole idea of obedience. And in fact, even in the New Testament, again and again, refer, the references, there's the connection. In Romans 1.5, Paul refers to the obedience of faith. In John 8.39, Jesus was talking to a group of Jews that were clinging and celebrating being children of Abraham and what he reminded them of, he said, he, he said to them, if you were Abraham's children, you would be doing the works Abraham did. In other words, you need to follow in his footsteps of obedience. His obedience took him to a land that he did not know. It says right there in the text. And he went out, I love that act of obedience, not knowing where he was going. It's interesting how often obedience calls us to go somewhere where we don't know where we're going, where we don't necessarily have all the answers before we're called to act. I was talking to a a friend this past week. He's telling me a story. He's uh, in the film industry, TV and film industry, and he's telling me about a project that he had been presented. And man, he was really wrestling through whether or not he wanted to be a part of it. And uh had the the project that he'd be working on had some just questionable content he's just like man I just don't uh, I just don't know if I want to be attached to that I don't know if I want to be in the writing process with that I don't know I don't know how uh, to interact and so I just said you know just seek the Lord on it and see how the spirit is nudging you with that it's interesting just getting a little bit bit of feedback of how it played out just this last week or in the last couple of weeks and he was saying you know what I just just didn't feel at peace about it. And so I ended up letting the people know that I wasn't going to be a part of the project and just uh, to move forward without me. And it was interesting. He said, uh, said anytime you're, you're making a decision like that, it's a legitimate financial decision because all of these things in uh, media world tend to be project-based. So it's hard to say no to something when you don't know when the next thing is coming up. He said, so it was a real faith test for him to be able to turn down this particular project. And it was interesting. He's like, but you wouldn't believe, Scott, how, how this story plays out. The story plays out the very next day. So he chose uh, conversation, chose to not be a part of the project. The very next day, he said, I got a surprise residual check from a previous project that he had worked on. Sometimes in media world, you get uh, royalties or however that works. Uh, A previous project and the check amount was to the exact amount that he had rejected this project. And so it was just kind of a cool testimony and reminder of God notices our acts and responses in obedience. If we respond to his nudges. Well, Abraham obviously goes and responds, moving to a land that he's not familiar with, so much so that he's living in tents, kind of in a nomadic type of a deal. He was looking, though, we see towards a future kingdom, not a present one. It's interesting how he describes that kingdom. It's described as the city that has foundations. I was thinking about that a little bit in my study this week, and I was like, well, What city doesn't have foundations? Well, he's comparing the future city that we're putting our hope into as the thing that has foundations, as opposed to what? The things here that don't have foundations. And some of us have been taken for a, a ride, of this, whether you're in crypto, whether you're in the stock market, housing stuff, man, we start to see how fluid all of these things, all the things that promise safety and security, all of the things of this world, man, just have no foundation. The U.S. dollar, no foundation. You see, all of these things that we place our hope in are so lacking any kind of a promise. So he's saying he was putting his hope in the city that has a foundation. I also wanted to point out something just while we're beginning the conversation to talk about Abraham, about a little bit of what's not in the text as opposed to what's in the text. It's important because the text definitely is celebrating his obedience, his choice to act when he was called to move, his choice to go even though he didn't know where he was headed. But I was texting this week with uh, David Reidman from our church, and we were just talking about this whole idea of this this passage where it seems like, man, it's almost like God tends to uh, celebrate the things that are noteworthy in his life and kind of ignore the things that were, weren't. In fact, he doesn't nub either him or, in a moment here, Sarah for laughing about God's promises to make great nations from them. He doesn't talk about that. He doesn't talk about them being uh, re- trying to be resourceful and actually committing adultery with uh, uh, with Hagar. He doesn't talk about that to usher in God's promises. He doesn't talk about sharing his wife with an evil ruler twice out of fear doesn't talk about the favoritism that he shows with his, ki- with his kids. He doesn't talk about the mistreatment of Hagar. There's so many things, if you delve into the story of Abraham, that aren't really too noteworthy. In fact, kind of uh, some sad aspects of his life, if you will. But if you think about this, what God chooses to focus on is the main direction of his life, the choice of to walk in general direction of obedience. To those of us that have moments of indiscretion and moments of, of wandering. this is a good news that we have a promise keeper that is focused on the big picture and not so much on every single failing. I love that about our God, what he chooses to put the attention on here in the text, not the shortcomings, but focusing on his faith. We'll continue on. So verse 11 talks about now his wife, Sarah. It says, By faith, Sarah herself received power to conceive even when she was past the age, since she considered him faithful who had promised. Therefore, from one man, in him as good as dead, were born descendants as many as the stars of heaven and as many as the innumerable Grains of sand by the seashore. So, who are we talking about here? He's talking about Sarah, that was Abraham's wife. And if you're familiar with the story and God's promises that he would make a a great nation out of them, a lot of those things weren't realized. We'll see in a moment in their life. But if you look present day, were surrounded with the the offspring, if you will, every single Jew. And then if you think biblically how God presents the idea of every believer being the offspring, pretty cool to see generation after generation, literally millions and millions of people that have come out of that promise. But it started with a, a difficult idea for them to swallow. They were promised these offspring when Or the idea of having a child when Sarah was 90 years old. 90 years old. I don't know if you know anybody in your life that's 90 years old, but that's not exactly at that stage of the game where you normally make the connection of childbirth. That's usually not associated with that season of life it was hard for her to embrace. And in fact, he doesn't focus on some of the shortcomings in her response, but he focuses instead on that she considered him faithful who had promised. And because of that, God unleashed the power to conceive. Here's the interesting thing, because a lot of times people run with this idea and this misinterpretation of scripture, thinking that If you have the right amount of faith, then you will experience the miraculous. Unfortunately, we have too many Christ followers rushing to the uh, bedside of a sick person and saying, well, you just must not have enough faith. You need more faith to believe. But that's not at all what scripture teaches. In fact, we are all supposed to bring our concerns before the Lord and to submit them to him, but he still makes the final judgment on health and sickness, on life and death, on prosperity and financial struggle. He's still the one that reigns and rules and decides what is best for his children as it relates to that. So it's not a formulaic thing where, man, if I just sit there and I just believe hard enough, it's going to happen. That's not it at all. But what I would say, I would say as it relates to faith So I would say that a person who operates in faith is better positioned to see the miraculous in their life. I don't know if you've ever had a a, a time where you're outside of cell phone reception, but you needed to make a a quick phone call and you're rushing around with your phone, trying to hold it up, trying to find a, a, just trying to catch a signal and position it just right so that you're able to make that call. I kind of see that same idea with faith. You see, our faith positions ourselves, puts us in a spot where God can act and can do the miraculous in our life. And for somebody that chooses a life of faith, of stepping out and saying, All right, I'm gonna turn this over to the, to the Lord, I would suggest it would be hard you'd be hard-pressed to find somebody that is really headed down that route that hasn't seen story after story of the miraculous reading a little bit this week about a evangelist uh, by, by the name of George uh, Mueller. And George Mueller uh, was known for kind of stepping out on faith. He and his wife early on in their ministry actually chose to sell everything they owned and open up an orphanage in England. And then they had a real unconventional approach to trying to sustain and and to keep this orphanage going and ministering and caring for the the, the needy during that time period in the late 1800s. And what they chose to do, they said, you know what, if this is going to happen, it's not going to be because we're begging and pleading for people to assist. We're just going to go to the Lord with our needs and let him do what he wants with that. Well, it's awesome to see their story because really uh, event after event after event of God's provision, they ended up caring for over, I believe, over 10,000 orphans in their ministry. Unbelievable to see. And none of that with a promotion of, hey, we need more money for this, but instead God stirring and moving behind the scenes actions that came based on their faith. You see, that's what we're invited to. That's what is more possible when we position ourselves for God's response. He says, he, says, uh, he emphasizes then the miraculous. And he says, one man and him as good as dead. It's interesting. Therefore, one, from one man and, and him as good as dead were born descendants as many as the stars I think that's kind of a funny description of Abraham. To me, that's not uh, necessarily a a term of, of honor. When you describe somebody in their later years, one man as good as dead, God then moves and makes all of these descendants. But again, trying to point to the hero of the story and none of these Old Testament accounts is the hero the person that's described, but instead Jesus Christ, God Almighty working behind the scenes in that situation. Pretty cool to see the position that uh, he had placed himself in, that Sarah had placed herself in for the miraculous. All right, let's continue in verse 13 with this description that our faith also points uh, to not just the miraculous, but also to a, a future home. They desire a better country, that is, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. All right, we'll stop there for a moment for some explanation. I find it interesting in the account of Abraham's life that never at any point did Abraham own any land. Never at any point, even with all of these promises of a promised land, never did he experience that. In fact, there's only one account of him buying just a small cave in order to bury his wife. But other than that, no land was owned. It's interesting to think that when Abraham finally passed away in his own tent, he died with one son and two grandsons. But it's interesting to me how often the conditions might seem to contradict God's promises, but you need time to pass in order for them to play out. Abraham, like us, had promises that would not be fulfilled in his lifetime. Things that they were looking forward to. I like as it describes here in the text what he was seeking. It wasn't a promised land in the present. Instead, He was waiting for a better country, a heavenly one. That's where the mindset, I think, is appropriate. And you think about even New Testament examples for Paul. Paul was similar, really had nothing. And in 2 Corinthians 6.10, Paul describes himself as having nothing, yet possessing all things. You see, it's a mindset. It's a, a pilgrim mindset, if you will. Just seeing yourself as passing through This place. You see, our mindset changes drastically when we begin to see ourselves not as the natives of this land. It's okay for us to feel out of place. It's okay for us not to fit in. In fact, it's a little bit concerning if we do. Why? Because truth be told, the world's priorities, its pleasures are vastly different than ours as a follower of Jesus Christ. In Philippians 3.19, Paul explains how we're not like those who are around us, whose end is destruction, their God is their belly, and they glory in their shame with mindset on earthly things. Listen to this. But our citizenship is in heaven. So if you're thinking through what is biblical citizenship. What does the Bible point to as citizenship? Biblical citizenship is not citizenship here on earth at all. In fact, it's a call to a different kingdom, not getting too comfortable in our current kingdom. And he wants us to be fascinated and enveloped with this idea of what that future kingdom will look like. It's a pretty cool statement that's made there in the text as you're thinking about it. He says, God is not ashamed to be called their God. Why? Because he has prepared for them a city. Think about that, that the end of the road, God's not going to be ashamed of calling us to something greater. It's not like we're gonna get there and it's gonna be like a where. where? Instead, it's gonna be something that we're like, man, this is awesome. This is way better than the heaven that was pitched on this side of eternity. I so often see the media kind of presenting a version of heaven. In fact, I remember, I don't know if you remember the uh, cartoon, satire cartoons called Far Side, uh, written by Gary Larson. There's one uh, you've maybe seen before a picture that he has of a guy with wings, white robe, and a halo and he's sitting alone on a cloud, and it has like the, the bubbles up there. You can see it here on the screen of him thinking, man, I wish I'd brought a magazine. Unfortunately, too often, that's the mindset of people like, oh, heaven's going to be boring and, and playing harps and, and uh, doing a whole lot of nothing for eternity, but that's not at all what we have to look forward to. I like how C.S. Lewis puts it in The Problem with Pain. He says, We are very shy nowadays of even mentioning heaven. We are afraid of the jeer about pie in the sky, but either there is pie in the sky or there is not. If there is not, then Christianity is false for this doctrine is woven into its whole fabric. You see, those of us that are believers that are clinging to this pie in the sky It's either going to be there or it's not. And we've put our trust that it's coming. So it's not weird. It's not strange to be celebrating the coming days where we will be present with our Lord for eternity in heaven. Our faith points to a future home. Our last couple of verses we'll look at here in Hebrews 11, starting with verse 17, seeing that our faith demands trust, says this, by faith Abraham... We'll stop there for today, but a little bit of talking through that. To me, Isaac is one of the greatest trust exercises in all of scripture. If you remember the idea of being asked, he was being asked to sacrifice his own son. It obviously wasn't something that God had him actually play out, but it was more of a checking to see where Abraham's heart was at. To me, I was just reflecting on that ask even just this week, just thinking of my own son. My son, Chase, is literally one of my favorite people on the planet. He's funny. He's creative. He's got a soft heart for people, soft heart for the Lord. I can't imagine it being asked to take my son's life. Well, if you're familiar with Abraham's story, that's what it was. He was asked after waiting all of those years, finally for a son to be born, he was asked to take him as a sacrifice. If you're familiar with the story, that's not something that God ultimately had him do. Instead, he provided another sacrifice so that the story would one one day be told about a, a replacement sacrifice and it ultimately being God's only son, Jesus Christ. It's a powerful picture in the Old Testament of the sacrifice that would ultimately be our rescue and the one that we still celebrate today and point to for anyone's rescue. My hope is there's no one listening to this that hasn't embraced the rescue of Jesus Christ. Well, here we notice that it is described that this was something that was asked of Abraham. I find it interesting that it uses the word tested here. Tested here. Here's the thing that I think sometimes we don't realize in the Christian life is so many things that come across our path of experiences are tests. You're like, well, what do you mean tests? Well, you think about anytime you're wanting to sharpen something, to develop something, a test is a necessary part of life. I remember in school dreading the day of the test and uh, even spending all-nighters getting prepared for that. But you think about really every single arena of life. You don't get past tests. Really, if you think about it, in, in in adult world, you're you're in a working position. Your work is often put to the test. If you own a company, that's tested by the response of customers. You think about any kind of sporting events. It's always a one team going against another team to what? test to see how good they are, to see who's uh, improved the most, to see who's the the better team. You think about weightlifting. You're constantly trying to add more weight just to test to see how your strength has developed. You see, that's the idea of testing, and it is definitely a part of the Christian life, and often a tool that God uses to stretch us and shape us, even though we don't necessarily like the tests. It's a obvious and necessary part of our growth and sharpening in the Christian life. It's interesting to think about it when you're going through a, a season of extreme difficulty and trials, and it seems like tests right and left, or just like, man, see it as a compliment. My God, my God must really think I'm up for the task if He's allowing these things to cross my path. So we see it's important to see that, that God has test for them. And in that test, you see what the mindset that Sarah and Abraham had. It says It says, he considered that God was able to raise him from the dead. What does that mean? Basically, when he was being asked to sacrifice Isaac, when he's being, that request was made of him, he's playing all of these things out in his head. He's like, well, God has promised to make a great nation out of me and it's through this offspring. And so if it's not Isaac, then God's going to have to raise him from the dead. So it's interesting to think that his God was big enough to sustain that level of test. I think an important question for us just in our Christian life is how big is your God? how big is your God? What what level of test is he able to withstand? What level of ask is he making of you that you're like, okay, if I do this, then man, God is going to have to step up and provide. He's going to have to meet me if I step out in faith. I love that we have little mini opportunities for that, even around our church on a regular basis, where God proves himself to be faithful. You might be familiar if you've been around ABF through the last year that we had a, a, a new ask that we started doing in the fall. We had the ask of people signing up to be in a rotation of delivering some different meal boxes to some families in our community. It's going to be a a real faith journey for people because they're being asked to show up and knock on a door to a family that they know nothing about. So I like that. I like these opportunities to be stretched. And it's kind of cool to see that we really even exceeded the expectations for this as a church with the people that committed and were willing to do it. It It's neat, even just this last week, I heard a story of one of the people that had signed up they're telling a story of just the relationship that they started to develop with this family. And they're like, man, God has been doing amazing things through conversations. like, we've been we've been able to come alongside and help them with some immigration stuff, help them get a, some questions answered, help providing some resources and providing them. He was sharing with me in uh, as he's telling me the story. He's like, man, in the last email that this gentleman from this family that they're supporting sent to me, he said, his re- ending was, thank you guys so much for the help. And he closed with these important words. I love you guys. It's kind of cool to think of somebody that we chose to start reaching out to already at a place where he's referring to somebody from our church. Man, I love you guys. It's cool to see how God meets us in these faith tests and how he stretches us but then ultimately how he uses us to expand his kingdom and then to bless others. Our faith demands trust. So thinking through this section of scripture as these different lessons, if you will, on faith, which area is the Lord speaking to you about this week? Is he wanting first to just grow you in your obedience when he calls you to do something? act on it. Is that something that he's wanting to stretch you in this week? Is that the emphasis from this section of scripture? Or is it the second one? Positioning yourself for the miraculous by stepping out in faith. Do you need to stop playing it so safe? Does there need to be more stepping out in outreach and conversations and acts of service and things that maybe seem extreme to you? Is there something that God's calling you to? Maybe it's, a family call, family to, uh, maybe it's a phone call to a family member. Maybe it's an encouragement to a, a coworker. I don't know what he's calling you to, but usually there's some kind of nudge and opportunity for you to step out in faith if you really wrestle through that in your mind, what he's calling you to do. Maybe that's what he's pushing you towards from this message. Maybe it's re- redirecting my focus on my future home. Let's be honest, this world has a lot of tugs that keeps bringing us back to the things that we're surrounded with. All the things, the, the tugs of this world, our job, our, our house, our car, our this or that, our kid's school, or all the things that are appealing for our attention. Maybe we need, maybe just a mental shift of what should get our attention and our affection. Is Are, are, are we too caught up in those things. Maybe that's the faith check that he's having us do this week. Maybe the last one is just the trust exercise, is to actually have eyes to see the challenging thing that you're going through as an opportunity to either cling to your big God or just go floundering in response to it. Man, and my hope and my prayer as a church family is that these faith tests that cross our paths, man, we'd come out shining, that we'd come out honoring God and acts of obedience and in trust. Well, I'll let you wrestle through how God wants to speak to you from this text, but I wanna wrap up our time now just in a word of prayer. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for this chance to look at faith demonstrated in Abraham and Sarah, the picture that it has from the Old Testament of who you chose to pursue, and they responded to your pursuit in faith. We thank you for them. We thank you for examples that you put in place in our life, God. I pray that we would be people of faith, whether it's in the focus of our energy, whether it's in acts of obedience. God, I just pray that you'd stir and meet people in this section of scripture and nudge them as you want. Maybe it's just a word of encouragement. It's not always a change. Sometimes it just needs to be stirring and spurring us on towards more love and good works. We thank you again for your word. We thank you for your spirit that makes any of this possible to apply in our lives. In Jesus Christ's name, amen. Church. Well, again, thanks for being with us online. I pray you have an amazing week in the Lord. As always, if there's any way we can serve you throughout the week, always feel free to text us at 97000. God bless you. Have a great day.